0: Welcome to another inspirational message from Church on the Rock, Pile. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, you can visit us at www.therockchurch.co.za. Welcome to Easter Sunday. We celebrate the best news ever today, and that is Jesus is alive. He's alive and he's been alive for 2,000 years. Now, I have a good friend in Australia. and When I phone to chat, it's usually late evening where I am, but morning where he is because Sydney is eight hours ahead of us. And I've often thought how cool it would be, you know, if we had someone in our tomorrow, someone that we could call who could tell us what was going to happen in our future. Like if you knew she was going to break up with you tomorrow, You know, you could send her a breakup text first. If you knew about the marriage breakdown or the company downsizing or the contract, you know, falling through, if you had somebody in tomorrow land, you could get the test question and answers before you enter class. But I want to propose that maybe, just maybe, even if we had someone like that, the disappointment would still be the same. The hurt and pain would still be the same. Because how many know that whether you know hurt is coming or not, it still hurts. Whether you know discouragement is coming or not, discouragement is still discouragement. You know, rejection is still rejection. And I believe that even if we knew, it would still cloud our perspective. Because when you get bad news, it just does that. Everything seems, you know, bigger and and more overwhelming. And you can't see things for what they really are like. And I believe that this is where the followers of Jesus found themselves that first Easter Sunday morning. And you say, but Mark, it's Easter Sunday morning. I mean, he's alive. They should have been excited. Well, they did get there eventually, but it didn't start that way. That morning, they were really, really down. They were discouraged and hurting. They were questioning the reality of what they had given their lives to for the past three years. And many of us know the story of Jesus. We know the story of his death, burial, and resurrection. We have heard it again and again, especially at Easter time. But this year, I want to look at it from a slightly different angle. And I'm going to be looking in Mark 16, reading from verse 9. And it says this. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. He appeared to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. Mary saw Jesus with her own eyes. And this is one of the reasons why I believe that he is who he said he was. There were so many different witnesses to what he did, and many of them were willing to be killed for what they saw. And you know what? I've learned something. People won't die for a lie, especially the way they died. At some point in the pain journey, they would have got to this place where they would said, okay, okay. Oh, this is too much. I'll give up. I was only joking. But many died for what they saw. They had seen Jesus die, and then they saw him alive. Reading from verse 10. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. There they were, mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. They didn't believe it. Afterwards, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. So it's Easter morning. Jesus is resurrected. He's alive and Mary Magdalene has seen him and she lets him know. But the Bible says they they were mourning and weeping and they did not believer you know when you're in a painful place it could cloud your perspective and I believe they didn't believe what Mary had said and they didn't believe these two guys either because it sounded too good to be true I mean you know what we saw him die we were there we saw the nails and the beatings and the crown of thorns and and we watched him hang we watched him take the body down he was definitely dead and now you're saying he's alive It's too good to be true. And some of you are in a season of, no, no, no. It's too good to be true. It's too good to be true that God could restore my marriage, that he is a miracle worker, that he can make a way where there seems to be no way, that he could get me out of this financial ditch that I'm in or bring my child back to him, you know, who is making these horrible decisions for their lives. No, you're in a season where it's too good to be true. So why should I even try? Why try? But Jesus is alive and you're still mourning and weeping. Resurrection has happened, but it has not yet become a reality in your life. And I don't blame the disciples for being in that space. You know, they've had a hard weekend. Friday, Jesus was crucified and put in a grave. Saturday, nothing, nada, no sign, no, nothing. Sunday, He's alive, but they haven't seen him. So they think he's still dead. It's been a challenging three days. And some of you have also had some difficult days. You've had some Fridays. We call it Good Friday, but there was nothing good about it. It was a day of execution. You've had some Saturdays, you know, where you were all alone. And and maybe you're still alone. And you're wondering if God is ever going to move in your life. But some of you have made it through to Sunday Sunday. And you have found that Sunday changes everything. And so I want to take us on a quick journey through Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I'm going to do it reading from Luke chapter 24 about a road called Emmaus. Remember I just read to you verse 12 that said, Afterwards, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. Now we read about that conversation that they'd had in verse 17. He meets him walking on the road, and they don't know who he is. Maybe he had, you know, aviation sunglasses on or a baseball cap. I don't know. You know, maybe he shaved his beard off. But they had no idea who he was. And in verse 17, it says, Luke 24, 17, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And this is really quite funny because they were actually talking about him, and now he's there. They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? In other words, don't you know about the crucifixion? Don't you know what we've been through? So Jesus says in verse 90, what things he asked about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. And I believe Friday represents the day of pain. They crucified him. And these guys were in deep pain. Their faces were downcast. You know, they had given their lives to Jesus. Some followers had left their family, had walked away from businesses. Others had had left stable income to follow him. You know, they put all their eggs in, in the Jesus basket and no pun intended. You know, they had gone all in and now he was dead. How many of you know that when you trust in something and it disappoints you, it's painful? When you build your life and your hopes and dreams on on a foundation that gets ripped out from under you, it's very painful. And if I had a guess, I would say that some of you are also in Friday. And you feel as if it has lasted forever. You're in a season of pain. You may even be in a season of physical pain. You've been rejected and And it's a physical pain inside of you. You've been stabbed in the back or or you've had somebody speak words of death over your life. You never will. You, You never can. You won't amount to much. You know, you will never become anything. Why are you even trying? And you've had emotional pain and you've put you know, on your sunglasses and, and, and your Sunday best, you know, and, and you're online right now and you, you're trying to have a smile and you're like, you know, oh, I'm great, you know, I, I'm not bad. But deep inside, you know, inside of you, I'm talking about your head, it's held low and your spirit is downcast. And here's what I want to encourage you with today. Listen to this. Jesus understands physical pain. Jesus understands your pain. He understands your pain. It's obvious he understood physical pain. You've seen the movies. I told you on Friday how he was beaten with a cat of nine tails. It was a whip with stones and, and glass and nails inside it, embedded into it. And the Romans were experts at crucifixion. Before they crucified Jesus, they beat him. They hung him on a pole in a public place and they beat him. The whip would wrap around his body and then they would pull it back so that it would tear the flesh off of his body. I'm not trying to make it gruesome, but we have a very sanitized picture of Easter and it was anything but. It was bloody. It was gruesome. It was disgusting. And most of us wouldn't have made the stomach to look at him on the cross He had the flesh on his back ripped out and blood was dripping from him. And then they put him on a cross. The only way he could speak or catch his breath was to slide up the beam off the nails that went through his feet just to get air into his lungs. Jesus understands physical pain and he did all of that for you and for me. He understands pain, he understands emotional pain. He understands what it is to be rejected. He had a friend that turned his back on him. I mean, can you believe it? He understood what it's like to pour you know, into somebody only to have them walk away in the moment when you need them the most. Jesus had three disciples and these three were really close to him. They were the ones that he spent most of his time with, Peter, James, and John. They got to do all the cool stuff with him like the Mount of Transfiguration, praying in the garden. So Peter was one of the ones that Jesus exposed his heart and his life to. He exposed his ministry to Peter the most. And it was Peter who, when Jesus was on trial and needed him the most, was asked, aren't you with him? And Peter answered, no ways. I don't know him. Not only once or twice, but three times. And the third time the Bible tells us Jesus looked over his shoulder and locked eyes with Peter. He knew that Peter had denied him. He knows what it is to be emotionally rejected, to hurt, you know, at at a gut level inside of you. He knows what it is to feel all alone in a crowd. No one understands what I'm going through. No, he understands. He understands Friday and he lived through Friday so that you wouldn't have to stay stuck in your Friday. Now, stay with me. Because at the end of this meeting, I'm going to give an opportunity to invite Jesus into your Friday. So that he can lead you into Sunday. Then, in verse 21, the two men continue sharing with him about the crucifixion. Verse 21. But we had hoped. Somebody listening to me say hoped. We had hoped, hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. They knew that the prophecy had been told that he would be resurrected on the third day. But they said, it's now the third day. And we had hoped. And hope is an interesting thing. Hope is an expectation of a desired outcome. But hope lost is when your expectation and your experience don't line up with that. You lose hope in that gap, right? You expected the relationship to work out and your expectation didn't line up. So now you are hopeless in that area. You hoped you would be, you know, uh, uh, out of this financial ditch that you dug yourself into. But now you are in it and and it's deep and, and you are hopeless and you wonder, is it even worth trying? You have hoped you'd be further along in your career, but your expectation and your experience don't line up. And now you... Now, why even try? Can I tell you something? Hopelessness will cause you to get comfortable with dysfunction. Did you hear me? Hopelessness will cause you to get comfortable with dysfunction. Because you think, why should I even try? Why should I have any fight in me? And some of you have lost your fight. You've lost your fight for life, you know, for your relationships, your purpose. All because you are without hope. Saturday was a day without hope. And if I could take it even further, some of you had an expectation of God and he didn't meet your expectation. You would never say it that way, but you think it it, it, it it is like that. But if I say it, it sounds bad. But actually deep down, you've lost your hope in him. And some of you are just flat out angry with him. You prayed and he didn't answer the prayer from your perspective the way you thought he should. You believed, and not only did you believe, but you had faith. And he didn't honor your faith from your perspective. And now you're online, but deep down, you don't want anything to do with faith because God didn't do what you think he should have done. The challenge was that, and, and is, that God is outside of time. Did you hear me? And he sees your beginning and your end at the same time. And you, are, you and I, I mean, we we human. We can only see in a linear way. We can only see what's in front of us. We can't even see what's going to take place after the service that you're listening to right now. You don't know exactly what you'll do. You may have plans, but you don't know what will actually take place. You know, you could get into traffic and not make it to that appointment. You could decide, you know, I don't want to fight the crowd to get into that restaurant. And the Bible says life is like a vapour. You may not even make it to your next meal. You can plan tomorrow. You can plan next week. I've put things on my calendar, but I don't know what tomorrow holds. I I don't know. I have no clue what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds my tomorrow. But I don't know what tomorrow holds. But God is outside of time, and he sees everything. He sees your beginning and your end, and he knows what you need in every single season. Are you with me? He knows what he needs to give you that will impact you for your next season. And the challenge is that we want God to be on our time, not his. So we pray prayers. And then we pray and we say, man, it's been 30 minutes, Jesus, since I prayed that prayer. God, could you please answer this prayer before I go to bed? Oh God, by the most, Lord, please, in Jesus' name, answer this prayer by tomorrow morning. Because it's a prayer about your work or your schoolwork or about your life. But God is outside of time. And so he sees how this event affects the next. And from your perspective, you thought he wasn't moving on your behalf because you couldn't see it. But that does not mean God wasn't moving. Paul said it like this in Romans 8, 28. And now we know this, that our God is able to work all things together for the good, not the bad, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I need you to understand the first part where he said, our God is able. If you don't know it, the God of the Bible is able. I don't know what your religious pastors, but you need to know that I didn't come online today to attend a funeral. My God is not dead. My God is alive and he is alive forevermore. He's alive For eternity, I came to attend a party to celebrate the fact that he is not in the grave. He is risen, just as he said. And you should really be happy about that. He is alive. And because he's alive, he is able. Whatever feels dead, because it's Saturday, God is able to bring back your life whatever situation has died and you're still in Saturday without hope, wondering where God is. Why hasn't God shown up? Why doesn't he move in my life? You need to know that just because it's Saturday doesn't mean that Sunday isn't about to dawn. Weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So Paul said, my God is able. What is he able to do? To work all, all, All things together for good. Not only the good things in your life, but also the bad things, the challenging things, the things that have caused you to cry tears, you know, night after night after night. God can take all that and turn it for good. He is the God of the turnaround, and it's for your good. Just ask Lazarus. People came to Jesus and said, Jesus, your friend, not your acquaintance, not your enemy. Not somebody that you've never met. Your friend, Lazarus, is moments away from dying. Hospice has been called. You know, they've called the family around him. You had better rush there, Jesus. Go, go, go. And Jesus said, I'll be there in four days. Four days. That's not very good pastoral care. Four days. You know, I was told my mother was close to death. I was there within an hour. Jesus, four days. Four days. What in the world was he doing? He shows up four days later and Lazarus is dead. And Mary and Martha, you know, they there and they, "Why, why didn't you come earlier? I mean, he's dead. If he had come, you could have healed him. You know, he would have been okay. That was our prayer. That was our timeline. That's what we wanted you to do, Jesus. And Jesus said, you don't understand what I'm doing here. You know? You can't see the big picture. You don't understand that I'm outside of time. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Let me ask you a question. Which would have been the bigger miracle in Lazarus' life? For Jesus to come and heal him? Or Jesus to come and raise him from the dead? And some of you feel as if Jesus is waiting forever to get to you. You know? And inside you're thinking... He doesn't love me. He hasn't shown up. He didn't come. You know, he didn't come when I wanted him to. But I want to say, he is wanting to work a miracle in your life. So don't give up. Hang on, man. Come on, hang on. Don't stop short of everything that God has for you. He's a good God and he can do the miraculous. And it, I'm telling you, now, he will do the miracles. But you can't get stuck in Saturday. Let me ask you another thing. Why in the world would you spend your existence living in Friday or Saturday? Your Sunday is coming. And the Bible tells us that Jesus walked with the two men, you know, and he was, he was taking them on a study of the Old Testament, showing how he had already said that he was going to die, be in the grave, and then rise again. And after a while, they wanted to stop and have a meal. And Jesus says, okay, no problem. And in verse 30, it says, When he was at the table with them, he took bread, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them, assembled together and saying, It is true. The Lord has risen. He has risen. If Friday was the day of pain and Saturday, a day without hope, then Sunday was the day of freedom. Right before the Friday, Jesus was at the supper with his disciples where he took bread and he broke it saying, this represents my body that will be broken for you. And the next day he was on the cross being broken for them. Now he's risen and he's sitting down for another meal. And as he breaks the bread again, the Bible says their eyes were opened. His brokenness brought their freedom. His brokenness allowed them to not be stuck in Friday or in Saturday, but to live in the reality of Sunday. You need to know that the same is true for you. His body was broken so that you don't have to live life stuck in Friday you know, with the pain of all that's happened to you in your life, and his body was broken so that you don't have to live stuck in Saturday, hopeless, wondering, you know, why should I even try, you know, it's too good to be true, I'll never make it through this, you know, I've just lost my fight, Sunday came so that you could be free, so that you don't have to live your life looking over your shoulder, so that you don't have to live with the shame and the guilt and, and the decisions that you've made. And you wouldn't have to live with the pain of decisions that other people have made that have affected you. Decisions, you know, that you could do nothing about. And the Bible says in Isaiah 53:5, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that, that brought us peace was on Him and by His wounds. We are healed. His death, his burial, his resurrection can bring you healing. And maybe you're thinking, Mark, why does Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection have the power to heal me? We find it in John. Jesus made seven final statements when he was on the cross. And the very last one we find in John 19, verse 30. And he says this. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up or handed over his spirit. In the original language, the word gave up or handed over has the idea of giving over until an appointed time. Giving over until an appointed time. So Jesus gave up his spirit to the Father to hold on to for three days because he had something he had to go and do. And the Bible tells us he went into the depth of the earth and went up to Satan, and I surmise this, but he said, you know, I've handed my spirit over to the Father, now you're going to hand me something, hand over to me, hand over to me the keys of death, of hell, and of the grave, he took the keys of death, so that death would never be your last word, he took the keys of hell, so that you would never have to spend eternity there, and he took the keys of the grave, so that it wouldn't hold you, oh man, Three days later, he stepped out of the grave. And ever since, he's been on a mission to restore you, to love you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. And the Bible says in John 8:36. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Do you know there's a difference between being free and free indeed? It's like convicts escaping from a prison. They are free They're not in a prison cell anymore. But the whole time that they are out, they are looking over their shoulder. They are not free indeed. And some of you act as if you are free, but you're not really. You continue to look over your shoulder and think, is that decision going to catch up with me? Is that shame, the guilt going to overwhelm me? And the Bible says, he sets you free indeed. And today is your day to be set free in the name of Jesus. The Bible says we have all sinned. It's the reality of the human condition. We are sinners who sin. And the Bible is very clear. The wages of sin is death. That means eternal separation from God. But it goes on to say that when we live eternally separated from God, it's a place called hell. And we were never ever meant to go there. It was created for Satan and his demons. You say, well, I couldn't serve a God who sends people to hell. Listen to me. God has never and will never send anybody to hell. You need to know people choose to go there. And they have to walk past the cross of Jesus to get there. They have to walk through the love of God. The love that God has for them. They have to reject the love of God. They have to trample over the blood of Jesus to get there. God doesn't want you to go there. Not at all. Jesus was the proof of that. God never sends anybody there. If you go, you choose to go on your own. For the wages of sin is death. But it goes on to say, But the gift of God This beautiful gift of God is eternal life. Not through your church attendance or through reading your Bible. It is not through being a good moral person, you know, volunteering hours to do community work or helping the poor. Not through being a good upstanding citizen, a great father, a good provider. That's not what it says. It says it is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Listen to me. If you are hoping in anything else, if your faith is in anything except Jesus alone, then you will feel as if you have no hope. No hope. And God offered a free gift, and it's Jesus. Well, you know, that sounds so exclusive. It is. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes on him would not perish, but have eternal life. The Bible tells us he did not come into the world to condemn the world, but through him the world might be saved. And if you've been experiencing religious that condemns you, you must know that it is religion. It's not Jesus. It's not what he came to establish. He came to give you a relationship with a loving God. Why would someone condemn the very thing they died to save? So today, I offer you the opportunity to receive Jesus as your Savior, not to join a church. Although I think it's an amazing church that we have, you know, and I would love you to come back online again. But what I'm saying about the powerful Easter message is it has nothing to do with church membership. It isn't checking some religious box. You know, this is going for sure that your sins have been forgiven and that you have peace with God. So my prayer this Easter Sunday is that you would take that step, that you would say yes to Jesus and that your life would be changed forever because of what he has done. You may consider yourself a Christian, but you know that you know your heart is far from God and you don't have peace with him then I want you to know today is your day. This Easter Sunday is your moment. Let's just pray together. Some of you, you know, have been so caught up with religion, but you've never, ever truly encountered Jesus as your Savior. This is your moment. And I'm going to pray a powerful prayer, expressing your desire to say yes to Jesus. And if you say, you know, I want to know God. I want to have peace within. I don't wanna live stuck in Friday or Saturday. I wanna experience the reality of Sunday. Everything inside of me says, I want to be free. If that's you, then just pray this simple prayer after me. Just repeat it after me, it goes like this. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and thank you for giving me a brand new beginning and I'll serve you with my life from this day forward In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Man, I'm so excited for every single one of you who have made that decision. And let's be a people that thank God that he so loved the world, that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. I mean, that is the fantastic message of Easter. And so I wanna just say to you have a fantastic Easter weekend further. And until we meet again, share hope, show kindness, and shine Jesus.